The Island Digest is a sampling of stories from this week's Islands Sounder, Journal of the San Juans, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The September 13th edition is brought to you by Orcus Center. I'm Caleb Summers. Headlines from the week of September 13th, 2023. The Healing Bond Between Humans and Dogs. Questions swirl around EWUA finger-pointing. See what's hatching in the San Juans. Sheriff's Office has Narcan to distribute to the adult community, plus excerpts from the Sheriff's Log. First, from the Journal of the San Juan Islands, The Healing Bond Between Humans and Dogs, by Heather Spaulding. A border collie, Jet, lay calmly at her feet while she recounted her trauma in court. It is his job to be there for people stressed and in crisis to be the healing balm they need to overcome and persevere. My motivation is for Jet to work. He is just magical. He really leans in and makes these connections, Jet's handler, Cynthia Parkin, explained. San Juan County currently has four trained and certified crisis response canines. Three others, Ruffles, Pickles, and Bungie, share Raquel Lackey as their handler. According to Parkin, crisis response canines are not service dogs or therapy dogs. They are a higher level of therapy dog vetted, trained, and certified. It is imperative that the dog want to do the work and responds to a crisis scene calmly. They have to show they want to do the work and can handle big emotions, Parkins said. Lackey echoed that sentiment, explaining various cues her dogs give her that show they are, for whatever reason, not up to the task at that moment. Pickles is subtle. She will look away or put her head down, pause at the door just a little, she explained. Some dogs tail tuck, lower their eyes, sniff the ground excessively. The six-year-old Jet was trained in Alaska under the National Crisis Response Canine Program, while Lackey and her animals were trained at the Hope Animal Assisted Crisis Response. Both are similar and allow them to respond to crises across the nation. The two are just different schools. According to Parkin, the training is largely geared toward the handler to ensure they pick up on those cues, subtle or not. My job is to keep Jet healthy, make sure Jet does not experience secondary trauma. I take his lead. When it's really an emotional situation, I take his lead to be centered to lean in, Parkin said. When someone is crying, we often hand them a tissue. That signals to stop when the person really needs to grieve. Jet was in the process of his certification when the pandemic hit, which delayed his training slightly. Also, during that time period, Parkin moved to the San Juans. She reached out to first responders like the sheriff's office and fire department. Chief Norvin Collin was thrilled and even brought in Lackey and her dogs a short time later. You can see the impact right away, Collins said. During a training last year, two trainees' vitals, like heart rates, were high and not coming down, even after mindful breathing exercises. Jet came over, and within minutes, the trainees showed improvement. We would not have been able to complete the training without him, Collins said. 
So not only are they beneficial during and post-crisis, but also prior as the canines reduce post-traumatic stress. Taking reducing stress one step further, Collins said the department has been practicing Mindful Monday to reduce the attitude many first responders have. We help others. We don't need help. It takes a lot to put out a fire or respond to any crisis, Lackey pointed out. Oftentimes, responders don't realize the toil it has taken on their body or mind. The members will take the time with the dogs when Cynthia or Raquel stop by. I had someone tell me, I never realized I was struggling during the day until the dog came over. Once I started petting it, when I went home, I felt better. The dogs are amazing how they can pick up on cues. Lackey added the stress-first responders may feel toward the end of their careers. You have been driving hard, going, 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 and at the end it all comes crashing down. We want to prevent that, Lackey explained. Collins also told the story of when firefighters responded to a fire where an individual had lost their support animal in the fire. The victim was grieving, and Jet was able to provide comfort. It's hugely beneficial to the community, Collins said, emphasizing that these dogs are not arson or law enforcement animals, but for crisis response. Jet has frequently been visiting the sheriff's office as well, giving dispatchers and deputies a chance to de-stress if they have had a particularly rough day. The first responders may interact with the canines as much or little as they like, and Collins pointed out that the dogs may visit Orcas Lopez first responders if they are needed. Lackey and her dogs also appear at the library for Reading with Rover, helping kids learn to read. COVID devastated the county, and kids suffered too. They are currently way behind in reading. Reading with Rover works in part by using the same calming, non-judging energy that assists people in crisis. Kids will read to a dog because they know the dog won't be judgmental, Lackey said. The canine also serves to calm the child should they feel anxious while reading. The youth are given stickers of the dog and bookmarks with their paw print. Both Lackey and Parkin would like to see an increase in canine crisis response at the schools, if for no other reason than to greet the children. We don't just want to bring the dog teams in when the bad stuff happens, but when there is good stuff to celebrate too, Lackey said. More crisis dogs are going through the process of being trained in crisis response. I want to grow the program. It's all volunteer and I can't do it all. Parkin said. There are three new pairs working through the training, but there's no guarantee they will become certified. For anyone interested, visit HOPE at hopeacr.org or National Crisis Canines at crisisresponsecanines.org. From the Islands Sounder, questions swirl around EWUA finger-pointing by Toby Cooper. East Sound residents, wanting nothing more than clean water from the faucet, are being dragged into another internecine dispute. The outcome could be critical to their water supply. The first sign of trouble arrived in email form, popping into East Sound inboxes on a Monday evening in late August. The source of the email, 
recallwater.com flashed financial cover-up at East Sound Water Users Association. Recallwater.com's principals, Steve Smith and Tenar Hall, are both former officers and directors of EWUA. Smith served as chair from 2020 until his forced removal on June 21, 2023, pursuant to a negotiated settlement. Hall joined the board in July 2021 and resigned voluntarily in March of this year. It appears to be a war over water. Or is this about money? Or accountability? Perhaps all three? However, a closer examination reveals that this war, like most wars in human history, may be about land. Land, yes, and voting control of East Sound's water utility. East Sound Water Users Association is a private, non-profit association owned by its members. It has agreements with San Juan County and the Washington State Department of Health to be the primary water purveyor in its East Sound service area. Management at EWUA told the Sounder that they believe Smith's problems with the organization began when the board rejected his land purchase proposal. While Smith was president of EWUA, he produced a prospectus for a project named Waterhouse. To be completed, the EWUA would provide land, a small parcel near the intersection of North Beach and Mount Baker Road, used for EWUA employee housing. According to the prospectus, EWUA would contribute to Waterhouse its option to purchase an adjacent parcel for sale by Rick Christmas to create a 1.7-acre parcel for Waterhouse. The value of the Christmas parcel was $550,000, according to the August 2022 contract. The Waterhouse proposal called for 20 units and one ADU for a total of 21 units on the 1.7-acre parcel. All EWUA board members were invited to join a subsidiary Waterhouse board in a fee-based partnership to manage the property. Outside investors would fund construction of the 21 high-density three-story units for a total project cost of $9,653,440. Smith was not listed in the prospectus as a financial contributor. Waterhouse would be due a $900,000 commission, according to the prospectus. After analysis and debate, the EWUA board voted against the Waterhouse project on the grounds that it carried unacceptable risk. Recallwater.com's August mailing to all EWUA voting members was a digital gateway to a bulging set of documents, an open letter to members, a forensic analysis, calendar of events, and more. It contained a sprawling array of accusations against General Manager Dan Burke and five of the six current directors. Recallwater.com is resolutely calling for members to vote them off the board. They describe an organization in disarray, failing in its fiduciary duties, through its gross negligence and potential complicity in actions that caused financial harm to the members. In response, the board addressed all charges, citing numerous false and misleading accusations. 
and accepting responsibility for any real shortcomings in governance that were made on our watch. They announced an array of improved financial and procedural controls that were approved by the board in early September. But Smith is pursuing the full recall. If he succeeds, the EWUA will be left without the ability to assemble a quorum for conducting business, including the need to name new directors to rebuild. Smith states, through his lawyer, his intent to self-assemble the board one member at a time, with candidates who meet his criteria. Last April, the EWUA board hired Acuity Forensics, a financial consultancy, to prepare a forensic investigation, which ultimately produced 12 recommendations for improving the organization's financial controls and found no cause for alarm. The report's author, Tiffany R. Couch, concluded that installing proper internal controls should be seen as a mechanism to keep employees safe in their jobs and to ensure the safety of EWUA's funds, not a message of mistrust or punishment to any employee. What's next? While Smith was president in 2020, the board passed a resolution that set the standard for initiating a recall of board members to 3%, currently 39 signatures, of the membership. Upon receipt of that petition, the board must hold a special meeting within 35 days to consider the recall action. Removal of a director from the board then requires a simple majority of the EWUA members present at the gathering, not of the total membership, with a minimum requirement of only 10% of voting members attending. According to EWUA management, RecallWater.com has yet to garner the number of signatures needed to hold such a meeting. Opal Land Trust holds an EWUA membership on behalf of a portion of Opal's homeowners. Executive Director Lisa Byers said it was premature to consider the removal of directors and preferred the hiring of an independent third party to oversee and report to members in the next few months on progress towards implementing the forensic accountant's recommendations. She and other community members would like to see an audit to ensure compliance with generally accepted accounting procedures. From the Islands Weekly, see what's hatching in the San Juans. A new, fun newsletter is featuring creative makers across the San Juans. Check out Hatch to learn about creative arts, design, food, and events on Orcas, Lopez, and San Juan Islands. Classes, performances, festivals, and more, all in one enjoyable read. See the featured stories at sanjuanmakersguild.com backslash hatch. A September Hatch newsletter highlight for Orcas is a special farm-to-fork lunch at Warm Valley Orchard on Sunday, October 1st, during the Farm Tour's benefit, the Orcas School Garden. Join us in honoring our local food and fiber shed at Warm Valley Orchard. Lunch in the Orchard is hosted by the Island Food Heroes Program and features three courses of delicious local harvests prepared by the kitchen. Enjoy island wine and ciders, 
appetizers from Girl Meets Dirt made from WVO fruits with heritage grain bread and island cheeses preceding the sit-down lunch. Tours of the sheep-to-yarn-to-textile studio of Maria Nutt and the orchards, livestock and farm practices managed by Bob Nutt are available 10 to noon and 2 to 4. Living Island Heritage Experience for Islanders and Guests. Pre-ordered tickets for the lunch available online at sjimakersguild.ticketbud.com slash Orcus Farm Tour Lunch 23. Hatch is published by the San Juan Islands Makers Guild to share news and activities from creative makers throughout the San Juan Archipelago in the Salish Sea of Washington. Editorial Message from Sheriff Eric Peter Sheriff's Office has Narcan to distribute to the adult community. Opioid emergencies can happen anywhere, anytime. Having Narcan available during these emergencies has saved many lives. While the San Juan County Sheriff's Office does not condone the use of opioids other than as prescribed by your physician, the opioid crisis is real. San Juan County is known as paradise, but we cannot hide from this crisis. All of us at the San Juan County Sheriff's Office wish our community did not have to face these issues, but cannot pretend they are not happening. If you or someone you know needs help with drug addiction, our office could be a resource, and I encourage you to seek help. We can assist you with contact information and support anyone seeking assistance with drug addiction. Our office has seen an increase in fentanyl-related incidents. An overdose can happen to anyone who uses illegal substances. There is no regulation or control of these substances. A miscalculated dose could easily become an overdose resulting in death. One death is one too many. In our community, we are one big family. We know each other, and a loss of life has an effect on all of us. Facts of Fentanyl over 150 people die every day from overdoses related to synthetic opioids like fentanyl. San Juan County Sheriff's Office has used Narcan to save lives while EMS is responding. Calls related to fentanyl are increasing in San Juan County. We are in an opioid crisis. The San Juan County Sheriff's Office has worked with the Washington State Department of Health to become part of the Naloxone Distribution Program. This program supports access to Naloxone for people who are likely to experience or witness an opioid overdose. If you or someone you know uses opioids and is at risk of overdose, come into the office and receive some Naloxone to have on hand. There is no paperwork, no tracking of who receives it. We are hoping we can help save another life. It is while supplies last, and we will reorder as needed and accept what DOH will assist with. Please, let's work together to help those who request help and be prepared with Narcan for those who do not. This is about saving lives. The Sheriff's Office does not condone any drug use. The preservation of life is of the utmost importance, and we will continue the effort to help save as many lives as possible. We have lost loved ones in our community, and we are hoping not to lose any more lives 
related to opioid overdose. And now, speaking of the sheriff, choice excerpts from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log. On August 30th, Orcas deputies were dispatched to a theft call. The reporting party eventually located the item due to the spouse accidentally having it. No crime was committed and the case was closed. Deputies responded to a vandalism call on Orcas. The reporting party said the catalytic converter from their car was halfway sawed off. The investigation is ongoing. On September 1st, deputies were dispatched to a report of what appeared to be a bag of drugs in East Sound. The item was collected and booked into evidence. On September 2nd, a San Juan deputy took a report of possible gas siphoning. Potential video surveillance footage of the incident is being sought. The investigation is ongoing. On September 3rd, an Orcas deputy responded to an assault call at Moran State Park. An unidentified suspect assaulted an employee near Mountain Lake. The suspect fled the area prior to law enforcement's arrival. The investigation is ongoing. Hopefully, they'll get in touch with the local Sasquatch squad. A deputy took a report of possible trespassing on San Juan. Individuals returned home to find their dog had been let out of its crate and their door was locked. Besides the dog, nothing was missing or out of place in the house. Have they interviewed the dog? On September 4th, a Lopez man was arrested and booked into jail for malicious mischief after destroying his neighbor's shed with a chainsaw. The incident started over a property line easement use disagreement. Oh, Lopez. On September 5th, Deputies responded to a report of an individual smoking suspected drugs in a restaurant bathroom in Friday Harbor. The deputies located the individual and took them into custody on an out-of-county felony warrant. Suspected fentanyl was located and sent for analysis. And this concludes the September 13th edition of the Island Digest. This edition is brought to you by Orcus Center. Orcus Center is your place for fun and intrigue this fall with live concerts, performances, art openings, and more. To check out upcoming events and purchase tickets, visit www.orcuscenter.org. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest, a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The Journal, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, visit our websites or email publisher Colleen Smith-Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thanks for tuning in, and come back next week for more local news from San Juan County, Washington. I'm Caleb Summers.